Like we always do at this time, I've got to shine. Now throw your hands up in the sky. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another week and another episode of the Steadman History Podcast. I really hope that you enjoyed last week's episode when I was talking with Alexander Donerkey. This week I am joined by the amazing writer, director, producer, Ross Harris. I went to college with him back in Filton. He now lives out in Los Angeles, California. We're talking all about what it's like living out there, the difference between being in England and in America, and all things about the industry, working on films, assisting directing, all of that kind of amazing, great, great stuff. Oh, it's a fantastic conversation and you're really going to love it. How's everyone's week been? My week's been really good. I went to get the first dose of the COVID-19 vaccination on Wednesday. The pupil referral unit that I'm currently working at managed to hook us up with that. So that was very, very exciting. Thanks to the NHS. It was great. I had a great time. I went in and the doctor was talking about theatre. We talked about Tenerife and touring. The needle went into my arm. I was talking about Pink Mist and witness the prosecution. It was amazing. I had a great time. So I'm really thankful for that. and really happy that that managed to happen. So now let us get straight on in to the conversation with Ross Harris. And if you want to find out more information about Ross, then you can follow him on Twitter at Mr. Ross Harris. You can also follow him on Instagram at Mr. Ross Harris as well. And... I've got a brand new Instagram account. Yes, we have set up a brand new Instagram account for the podcast. It's called Steadman History. Same name as the podcast. So please give that a follow as well. Also, make sure you tell your friends all about this podcast. Rate, review, subscribe, all that great stuff. I want to hear what you're loving, what you're not loving, and all of that amazing stuff. Live from Hollywood, California, it's Ross Harris. So, uh, Ross, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes. Hi, I'm Ross Harris. And I'm a uh, longtime friends with uh, Alex Stedman from uh, Stedman History Podcast. Nice. <laughs> nice, I like uh, that. Uh, so, uh, Ross, what do, you, what do you do? Kind of a jack of all trades, if you will, master or none. <laughs> I'm just like, uh, you know, I, I live out here in Los Angeles and uh, I do a lot of screenwriting. I do a lot of, uh, like, script doctoring is like a good good job that i have which is kind of nice and fun a lot of the things that i do is like a lot of production work i do you know a lot of uh first ad work so that's like probably my favorite thing that i do out here is uh first ad work obviously working towards directing and writing my own projects um but yeah it's uh you know it's not bad not a bad racket when it's open but <laughs> yeah know, right now COVID, right now it's uh it's pretty silent. It's pretty, uh, it's weird being in Los Angeles right now when there's not a lot going on. Are you on lockdown at the moment or not? <laughs> we were never on lockdown ever. Like, okay. <laughs> it's, uh, it's been handled poorly to say the least. And I like look at you guys and I'm like, oh, okay, a proper lockdown. Like you guys are doing it properly. The numbers are going down. And like, you know, out here it's interesting because the, the, the two things that LA is big for is, eating out restaurants and showing your face so people don't want to wear masks and people just want to eat out and not wear the masks and that makes the numbers go up and you know every time i drive down the street out here and you just see people eating at restaurants i'm like guys just go home like this is never going to end if you don't just like stop doing this yeah the uh, so yeah that. yeah it's it's been we had like you know maybe i think it was like a month where we had like a, a curfew uh, but that was actually for the Black Lives Matter protests. It wasn't for COVID. 
Yeah, that's that's really bad. And have jobs stopped? Have like, is well, the industry like stopped? A, it's like an up and down thing. Like basically, we're all kind of waiting on like what the unions have to say. Um, the the industry has not stopped. Uh, there's a lot of non-union stuff happening all the time, uh, and it's not the safest. Some of it is, some of it isn't. Um, and you know, it's like. I don't know. I don't know. It's 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 a hard one because we're, we're, if you wait on SAG basically uh, to to tell us when they have like they over the last year they've shut down productions a lot. So they've been like we're not allowing our members, our actors to do this anymore. Uh, they'll shut it down for two weeks and then a week later they'll open everything back up again with new guidelines and, and rules and, and such and such. So that's kind of like where we're at right now is, is just like kind of waiting to see what the unions are doing. But like currently right now, everything's back open again. You know, my wife was just working last night until 4 a.m. in the middle of the desert somewhere uh, on a show for a Disney show. But it's just like, you know, they have very strict protocols. You know, you get COVID tested, all that kind of stuff. Um, but the, the non-union stuff is the problem because it's, there's obviously no rules. So you can just kind of, it's expensive now. Like they say that the, the COVID budget has got to be like a quarter to a third of your entire budget, just wow. from testing and from PPE and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, it's like people can't afford to do that if you're low budget independent. And, you know, I'd say at least half of the productions out here are low budget independent productions. And, uh, you know, you get a lot of people, you know, trying to do, I get it. Like they're trying to do what they want to do. And I get seeing stuck inside for a year over a year now is like the worst, yeah. but, uh, you know, people want to make what they want to make and they're going to do what they want to do. And unfortunately it's usually elderly people and homeless people that are going to suffer from it because they're not being as safe as they should be because uh, they can't afford it it's just, yeah. as simple as that you can't afford it like but i just did a, a non-union feature a deed a non-union feature over christmas and it was fantastic like we we had uh, every other day 6 a.m covid tests about half an hour away from here uh, from where i am in a place called northridge and you would go there line up get your tests go straight to set work all day you know and then just do it again over and over and we didn't have a single outbreak so you know, it, it does, there is, there are play people that are doing it properly, but there's a lot of people that are doing it not properly. Uh, you know, so that's, those are the people that are kind of keeping everyone else inside right now. Yeah. And kind of ruining it for everyone else by not, by not following the rules and taking precautions. Yeah. And, and, and like, and, and it's, it's, it, you know, it's worrying because it's going to get to a point like there was a while where, uh, you know, now filmmakers and such have been put on the uh, essential workers, uh, list if you will by our governor here uh but there was a while where there was where we where we weren't so like everyone i knew was out of work like i was literally about to start a feature uh last march like literally like march 20th was like our first day as the shoot date or something like that so like obviously that got canned uh and you know everyone i knew on that was struggling throughout summer and all that kind of stuff and then about September time, they put us on the the essential workers, and SAG started to open back up again, and and so things have started to open back up again for sure. Um, but it's still, you know, everyone's kind of feeling the hit from it still. That's like the issue, and it's a very this town is very much like a you get jobs for who you know. So it's a lot of people right now who are working who know a lot of people, which is like fine. But yeah, 
if if you're like I know a lot of people who you know just freelance and do what they can independently and and everyone's kind of struggling right now um I, I don't know what's it like with you guys over there is there stuff open is is, is in London and Bristol or no because of the lockdown like TV and film can happen and things can be filmed and rehearsals for shows can happen and theater wise stuff can be filmed at a venue and then live streamed with no audiences but apart from that cinemas theaters and everything are closed and so it's kind of i suppose a similar situation if you if you're kind of well in and you know people then you could probably be working quite a lot otherwise it's kind of a little bit sort of on the outside and i suppose because i've done a lot of theater and they're not open it's kind right. of right so yeah yeah and, and I, that's something that i've missed like so like being here there is no theater in la like there's some we have like a little mini west end down on santa monica boulevard but it's like uh you know no not a lot not a lot of people go there there's like theater people that go there but like i haven't been to a bloody show since i was in new york i think like when i went saw something on broadway but like that it's theater is very uh, low out here and so like I haven't really noticed that. Have you always known that because ever, ever since I've uh, met you you've always been like really interested in film and TV and filming stuff has that been something that you've been into before we met at Filton College? Oh yeah. yeah 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 I mean I grew up in like a little town in the middle of nowhere in bloody Gloucestershire uh, and felt like I just never was uh, you know fit in if you will I, I don't know I, I liked everyone but I, I always felt like it, I was gonna leave Do you know what I mean I moved around a lot when I was much younger so like it, it was like that kind of thing so moving around a lot and then being stuck in somewhere that's kind of like a little farm town it, it was always good to have movies and tv and, and <clears throat> you know stuff to uh, enjoy by yourself or or like with your family or whatever so I was like really into that like growing up like just film and tv was always there it was you know it was always uh, what DVDs can I get? What like movie? What can I go watch at the cinema? Like that kind of stuff. And then I was just like, you know, we got to the point where um, if we're talking about like inspiration and stuff like that, there was like I did like a school play when I was like ten, which really got me in acting. I actually did it at Colson Hall, uh, nice. which should be renamed, by the way. <laughs> now it is. It's um... it is. I've forgotten what they've they've renamed it. It has been renamed. Oh. They took down last summer when they tore uh, down the Edward Colston statue. They also took down the name of Colston Hall and took down the name of Colston Tower that's nearby. And they've given it a new name. I can't remember what the name is, but it's got a new name. And oh, awesome. it should open, I think, autumn of this year or something. COVID pending. Yes. Yeah. So, so <laughs> yeah, you from so there. Yeah, yeah. So basically, I was like 10. I did a play and it was like there, like it's just a school play, nothing, nothing crazy. I don't even bloody remember what it was. I think it was about Jesus or something. But uh, now and then it was just like, oh, I like this. And then I just started making my own like little stupid movies on a little camcorder that I managed to find somewhere and, uh, you know, learn how to edit and stuff like that. And then and then like after I finished like secondary school, I was like ready to do it properly. And uh, so that's when I went to uh, Hilton College, where we met 15 years ago now, this yeah. September. Yeah, that's crazy. Isn't that horrific? I watched I watched videos of me, you and Bryony uh, dancing to Seasons of Love, like just before this. But that's I it. feel like it was going to break my laptop speakers because the sound was so tinny. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> well, we had this amazing, like, 
dance routine and everything. I was like, how have we, when did we do that? What like, did, what did you enjoy about Filton College? What were some of your highlights? Oh, I mean, you know, always like, like uh, being able to be a little unhinged. I felt like I was able to come to Bristol and like be a person who I wanted to be which turned out to be like a proper little shit. I feel like I was like such a little asshole in college. <laughs> so like, <laughs> it's interesting that I went that way. Uh, but like, it's just, it's funny. Cause, I, cause like, I really didn't appreciate Bristol enough when I lived there. I feel like I really liked it. And like, obviously going out and everything like that was, was fun. But you know, I was like 16, 17 when I first moved there. I definitely didn't like appreciate it uh, as much as I wish that I did. Uh, considering how cool it is like now. You know, Bristol yeah. is like such a cool place. And I really wish I was there to like behead that statue, man. Like, that would have been so much fun. Yeah. Uh, you know, for all the protests. I was protesting here, but like doing it back where you, you know, where you grew up and stuff would have been like a proper, proper good thing. Being able to proper, like, like I was saying, like get a bit more uh, unhinged and like just try and let yourself, you know, try and live up to what you consider your full potential. And I don't know, I feel like when I first moved there, I still was in my shell a bit. I'll always remember my first bloody audition there was for Lania, like we all had to audition. I'm sure you remember. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I went for, I went up for Peter, me, going up for Peter, like absolutely made no sense. And then the, the um, Biddy was like, oh no, you're not, you're not like tall enough to be, you're not the oldest, you can't be the oldest one. Uh, and I was like, I remember being like, mad about that in the audition and then she's like just because of that you're Edmund now like that's his character go do that and I was like oh okay that makes sense I really like regret I was like really pushed back against that at the time and then I was like you know actually great and I was one of my favorite things I've done like playing Edmund you know in Narnia and then Macbeth playing Macduff with you in our fight scene that was always like Gonna, and, and your prosthetic head <laughs> oh yeah coming out with the head can we talk about the budget that we had in college like you can do that now like imagine trying to get like a fake prosthetic gory bloody head made like yeah <laughs> I feel like it, I, that must have cost money but like, we had like the the techie department and everything like we were really lucky in, in college like with the facilities that we had and we had a nice stage and yeah. uh, and and such so you know like I'll always remember like that and like working in in the rehearsals and and all that kind of stuff it's and obviously going out you know going to town oh yeah a lot of nights a lot of like with with uh like steve and kyle and everyone and oh yeah we made, we made films with them didn't we as well we did like yeah 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 that was like and that was like a massive part of my uh college actually that like obviously i'll always remember doing the the acting stuff but like that was and i really was like all i could do uh, I could direct and I could do producing and stuff like that uh, was when we were doing like the student films with um, with Kyle and, and and Steve and that lot because it was like very cool to watch them who people who were studying it and like study what they're doing behind the camera uh, and and basically it you know gave me that little push to do more because the only things that I'd done before that like I said were just like s stupid stuff either by myself or with people who had like zero interest in doing it they were just doing it because i needed my friends to help out um and then uh, you know that was like oh this like narrative storytelling is like very cool and using it in this medium rather than on stage uh you know live is like a very good way to do it and you get more control and you get to like 
you know, add stuff in and fix it in post and, and like all that kind of stuff. So like, that was a really cool process to watch with those guys. And, you know, it, it does, it, it always helps. It's just like a laugh. I feel like a- acting on stage is great in rehearsal and like the rehearsal stuff is, is I feel like it's a little bit more because uh, you're trying to get it right. So it's like when you're trying to get it right, I feel like there's like that pressure to get it right because you know that you don't have a second chance. After the first night, second night, you're in your rhythm. That's when you get this like start messing around on stage and like trying to, you know, have have more fun with it. And I feel like that that feeling I feel more in production because you get to mess around all the time because you can always reshoot it. Do you know what I mean? Like you can always just do another take and 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 whereas obviously live entertainment you don't have that. So I just feel like it's it's more fun. It's just like a lot more fun. Don't get me wrong. I would do a play again, like for sure. I would do, I would rather do a play. I'd rather act in a play before acting in a film. That's for sure. Um, now, but, okay. uh, but producing stuff like, yeah, they, they really like kind of, they, they probably don't even know. I'm sure they have no idea, but like Kyle and, and Steve and those guys and Callum uh, and Stacy, like they, they all kind of like working with them. Cause like, like I did a bunch of those student films in college and we all had such a good time that really like gave me the push to do it. And then, and then I took so much time off, like trying to pay to get, uh, trying to, you know, work to get money to be able to go to university and study it properly. Um, but I feel like I got a good uh, experience doing that in college with you guys. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's still, it's still now it's the, even now those were just like some of the most fun, that we that we had like it was just like a laugh like the whole time you know <laughs> yeah it is it's funny what like thinking back to it it was whereas when i think yeah. like when i went to drama school it's like there were a lot of times where it was hard and it was tough and also in my mind i've just kind of blanked a lot of stuff out because i'm like i didn't enjoy it or the, the right. people were really nice but i think at college it's like there was just that bond straight away and as you said the facilities as well were amazing like yeah we were so lucky we we were so lucky like i I went so yeah i went to university like after a couple years of saving up and and really like i say the only real reason i went to university was to meet my wife like we met there and she's like obviously the reason that we're i'm in la now uh but like you know uh that's i i I didn't enjoy i i didn't not enjoy it but i didn't love my time in university and uh the facilities they had there were pretty good but it was about the same uh, as what we had in college so I was very much like going into it I was like I've, I've this is what I've what I've been doing for the last couple of years has been you know more beneficial than this and this is like 20 times more expensive because it was just after the bloody uh student strike uh, oh yeah know, like when, the, when they raised yeah uh so you know like my wife got to go to college <laughs> for like proper cheap well no it wasn't proper cheap but you know what I mean like she got to go for like a third of the cost because she was graduating uh when i was uh in my first year uh so you know it was it was like one of those things where i just kind of like went there and immediately was like "Mm, i don't know if this is for me like you know whilst i was working at bloody coffin warehouse or whatever i was doing in between i was uh you know just trying to make money and when i could i was studying movies watching movies i did some extra work which was great like back then and uh managed to be the annoying extra at like 19 18 years old just like asking the 80s how to do what they do kind of thing so like that that was like a growing experience for me in of itself which is which was you know good good stuff 
Were there any that were really helpful that you can remember that really helped you out when you would speak to them and ask for advice? Yeah, yeah. Honestly, everyone was really nice, though. Uh, and it was like uh, the, the, the most specific ones that I remember was just like learn how to there was one guy he was just like you gotta learn how to schedule like you just gotta learn how to schedule you gotta learn how to do pre-production properly um once you get that nailed down then you know production becomes easy so just try and learn how to schedule learn how to learn how to uh think of the question before someone needs an answer kind of thing right so it's like it's it's just about anticipating basically is what he was trying to get across to me just anticipating problems because there's always problems so just try and think of a solution as quick as possible or think of a solution before you see a problem kind of thing um but yeah no like i said and it, it was usually like a set now thinking back like i didn't ask them what their job title was but now they're they were probably like a second ad or something so they were probably like either fresh out of university or on some kind of program uh, and so you know Obviously, it's, I, it was just it was nice to be able to speak to those people and see big productions like I did Merlin and I did Doctor Who and I did uh, a couple of movies um, like TV movies and stuff like that. One with like Rob Brydon and a couple. And so like it was nice to be able to talk to actors who were known because obviously I'd be in a scene with them. And that really like helps you because you have like no idea when if you like work on a movie and there's an actor, you know, 50% of people can't keep their shit together. Do you know what I mean? And they're just yeah. like, oh my God, oh my God, there's an actor, oh my God. And and being able to work with those people at, just as an extra, like not even anything crazy, just being part of, uh, I think it was called Phoenix Casting Agency. In oh yeah, school. I remember them. Yeah, and, and uh, just being a part of like an agency and being able to represent the agency uh, professionally and talk with these people uh, and, and, you know, people that I you, you admire and... Uh, have gone on to do great stuff you you kind of get that uh ground groundedness to be able to take that now so like i just did a movie uh, i just ad'd a, a feature like i said and uh one of the guys i worked with was matthew lawrence who's uh who's like the kid from a stout fire he's in boys boy meets world with one of the lawrence brothers he's like quite well known and i was able to just like be his mate do you know what i mean and and that's what they want it, they actors they they want your ad or your director or whatever like any any production people they just want you to be normal and just like have a laugh with them and so like it all comes back to that it's all just about having fun on set having fun in production like you get to literally make movies tell stories for a living and a lot of people take it too seriously and a lot of people ruin their production because they get too stressed out or or because the, you know they'll work themselves up to into a ball and create problems where there are no problems so you know it's just like one of those things where the more chill you are the more chill everything is kind of thing you know what i mean yeah yeah just for having fun and yeah, yeah and, you, and you've always been great at yeah just talking to people and talking to anyone and being friendly and having like great conversations and stuff there's never i've never seen you in a moment where you didn't speak to anyone or where you were nervous about speaking to anyone. I know it's kind of going back 15 years, but it's great to hear that like you're still doing that. And that's still something that you do. No, I appreciate that, mate. And same with you too. It's like just one of those things you can kind of tell usually, can't you, when you're like speaking to someone, if someone's not interested in having a conversation or, you know, trying it's, it's like, it's not, it's not not effort to, to, you know, 
be involved in a conversation and to and to like try and get something out of a conversation i just feel like you that's why you people communicate and have conversations try and get something out of it like i would love to work with almost everyone that i've worked with again uh so i wouldn't want them to come away from a talk with me or from a production thinking that he don't know what he's doing or he he's too shy or whatever and i've been in situations where i've thought that about people so it's just like kind of trying to not be that person yeah because you know exactly yeah. what it's like when you when you sense that and what it's like and you never want yeah that it's just do. like why like why just open yourself up a little bit do you know what i mean it's like when people will just start to close themselves off and they're just like not interested anymore and it's just like all right cool we're done then i guess <laughs> like, yeah and like we're just, we're just people just like we just have a conversation and we're just yeah like... but it's usually because it's usually because uh, what i found is they just don't care about other people they're, they're not interested in hearing what another person they only wait until they talk do you know what I mean? They they wait. They're not listening. They're waiting for their turn to speak. So I always just try and listen. And sometimes I forget, like, like I'll be talking too long, like today, and I'll bloody forget what the question <laughs> is. Fine. Well, I'll lead into somewhere else. You know, man, we'll, we'll talk about somewhere else that's linked to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're just hitting the ball back and forth. And But no, you're right. Sometimes it does feel like people have like their inner monologue going in through their head and they're just not thinking. I think I found that particularly with names as well. Sometimes if someone introduces themselves and then they've not, then they forget your name and they've not listened or, you know what I mean? Like that kind of, that thing can happen. So it's never good. No, no, it's not. So when did you move to, when did you and Hannah move to America? When did that, when did that happen? We moved to America in, I believe it was uh, February, 2014, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Cause we've been in this place since 2015. Yeah, I think it was 2014. I moved there. We, I came here, for like the first time in 2013 over Christmas for like less just less than two weeks and had like a New Year's here and then we were like oh and then we're gonna no no it was uh 20 yeah 2014 yeah 2014 for sure it was February 2014 so you know it's been like that long I lived in Orange County for about a year uh and that was uh an experience (laughs) moving from London to Orange County because London obviously very progressive and public transport's great and all that kind of stuff you know gotta love the nhs oh yes yeah. miss, miss the nhs man <laughs> and uh it's very conservative and they you have to drive everywhere have to have a car it's just too big you, you there's like some places they have sidewalks like most okay. of it's freeway if you're trying to get around so you know it, moving from a progressive student area to to a very conservative uh you know almost like retirement area is kind of like orange county like i know people watch like the oc and think that you know that's what it's like and it's like sure like those are the kids but like most of the people that you see are obviously their parents who are just like rich americans and they're all fiscally conservative but no there's a lot there's a lot of people that are just straight flat out racist over there as well like there's like where i where i was living it was a place called costa mesa and there's like uh, Santa Ana, which is like one of the poorest places in California. And then there's Newport Beach, which is where the OC set, which is like one of the richest places. So we were like right in the middle. So you got to see like the the racism on the one side and the poverty on the other. And, and you know, it's just like, uh, don't get me wrong, Santa Ana is very cool. I love Santa Ana. They got, they got some good stuff there. Uh, but, you know, there's, uh, 
it, it, it was it was not a great start really being there for almost a year and just like having to I wasn't allowed to work properly either because you know I was on like a temporary visa kind of thing so like I had yeah. to do cash in hand jobs and and stuff like cash in hand jobs <laughs> so <laughs> uh you know and uh and stuff like that and then and then stuff started coming together i got my i got my social security and i got my driver's license and and then we we decided to move to la and you know we got like a crappy little studio apartment that cost 1300 dollars a month where you know uh in hollywood and and then things started to pick up and like that's when you know i got like a got like an agent and started like doing acting stuff and going on auditions and uh and I hated that I really don't like auditioning that was just like a thing that very young that kind of like affected me and get high in in college and stuff like that and it was just like you know I I started auditioning I remember doing an audition for Modern Family oh, I nice. had to go to uh, Fox and I was like 25 at this point like 20 and uh, turning 26 and I was auditioning for a 17 year old and all the people in the casting office were 18, 19 max. And I was just like, I'm too old to be here. I'm not even going to get this job. Like, why am I here? And, uh, you know, obviously I didn't get the job <laughs> because I was too old. And I was just like, telling, talking to my, my agent, she's just like, yeah, well, it's just like, I've got to put you up for everything. I'm like, that's fair enough. But like, put me up for stuff, good stuff. And, you know, it just was kind of like a year or two of that. And, and, and then I was just like, nah, acting isn't for me anymore. Like, I'm offer only, you know. <laughs> were, you, were you surprised that you were getting the auditions, I suppose, in a way? Yeah. Even, because, even though you weren't. I, yeah, no, 100%, because I wasn't old enough. Like, I was too old, sorry. I was like, this is this is so stupid. Like, everything I was getting auditions for, it was just like, it was it must have been some kind of, like, high school bubble thing where I feel like a lot of the stuff I was getting auditions for was just, like, that kind of thing. Uh, but I guess, you know, like, before I had a beard, I, I did have a little baby face, so it kind of made yeah. sense uh that that was happening but yeah no i feel like people who get a lot of auditions you know it does it, i don't know it's hard isn't it because it's like you can get 50 auditions a month and still not get a job and you can get one audition and get the job yeah it's all just kind of a luck of the luck of the draw right place right time sort of thing um so that was also another reason why i was like ready to pack it in which because it was just like let's uh you know i i can still have this going on i'm just not going to go and audition for these things unless i think i'm going to get it kind of thing do you know what i mean it yeah. was like it, it was like i was just done with auditioning for to try and get the numbers up because like that's what i thought i had to do it was just like the more you do it the law of averages you're gonna get you're a gonna part get one, kind of yeah. thing um and it turns out that everyone i knew was doing something like that and it just does it's not like that it's more like they already know who they're going to cast 90 percent of the time uh, before they've even sent the audition tapes out, um, and I and I, and I get it. It sounds kind of salty and stuff, and I'm not at all because like it, producing my own stuff now, the number one thing you need is is a, is is an actor who people recognize to be able to sell the 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 production. Uh, so you know to sell the final product, um, and and. I wasn't a face that people recognized and and most of the people I know aren't faces that people recognize it's it's they're always starting out uh so it's just about if, if for anyone who's like auditioning all the time and feels like they're gonna give up I would say if you're acting as your thing and you don't have anything else like don't give it up at all like just keep doing it because why not um and I'm sure people especially after you know a year or whatever of not auditioning because of COVID 
um, it's probably going to get a lot more people either reinvigorated and do it again, or they're just going to be like, nah, I'll leave it. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, it's just like, you, you got to do student films. You got to do low budget independent stuff. You got to do stuff that you're going to get. And me moving here my first year and thinking that I'm going to be on one of family. It was just like a joke, you know, now looking back at it and, uh, and I'm good with that. Like it's, of course, like you just got to learn those things and it, it helps you, you know, get peace with that kind of thing. Cause there was a while where I was, you know, it's never, it's never a fun thing to be like, I don't want to do this anymore. Do you know what I mean? Like no, it's, it's, not, it's no. never, it's never fun. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's, it's it's very much just luck of the draw and you know stick at it if, if you can uh and just try and do things that you definitely know that will get your face out there basically is like the 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 one thing the one takeaway that i'd have for people who are auditioning and a lot of people who aren't auditioning a lot it's just more you get your face out there more people are gonna recognize your face the the more and more your get, jobs you're gonna get and eventually you'll get to the point where you'll be able to be a regular on something or you'll get auditions because you'll be the first on the call. You'll be like, we're auditioning this guy today rather than, oh, here's a bunch of people auditioning. They already know who you are. So like you already have a kind of in uh, and then it just goes from there. So, you know, they, I, I just be like, you know, don't give it up unless, unless you're like me where I was like, I would much rather be on the other side of this making these decisions and, and not being in front of camera and being able to work towards producing and directing and writing my own content, I, I, I felt like that was a, a lot more uh, beneficial for me mentally. Yeah, yeah. I, could, I could imagine that must, yeah, that must have been like a, a weight off your shoulders and kind of like, a, I suppose, because once you stop doing something and you know that you're going to then do something that you really want to do, you kind of forget that world and you just go full force into exactly and and even since thing. then i've bloody i've 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 done a couple of shorts out here and i've had been auditioning recently for commercials they're just like my my wife is an actress and she has a commercial agent and they've wanted a lot of mixed race couples so like i've been back at it this last like month uh which has been strange because <laughs> i'm used to i'm used to like doing her self tapes and stuff like that and being <laughs> pressing on the go on the camera and now i gotta be on the other side and it's just like i'm so oh man i remember this this is yeah that must be weird back. it's almost like you kind of stopped <laughs> it and they're like where's that ross harris guy bring him back in we need yeah and and, and i had a, i got a, you know it's all about networking as well i've networked with people out here who are filmmakers and they need people and they and you know i've had i've worked on a couple of shorts acting just because i was they knew me and which is which made me realize that this is how it works just with bigger budgets and with the networks is the people that they know and like and they're just going to keep using them it's why bloody martin scorsese always tries to use leonardo dicaprio and things like that do you know what i mean like they yeah. just want to use people you know you can work well with which is again like back to it like if you can show up and do your job and be fun and and have a good energy and and bring a bit of yourself to it then you you sh you shouldn't have any issue finding work, and no matter what it is you want to do in front or behind the camera. Um, the problem is, is a lot of people are, are again are just too reserved, and you just kind of got to like not give a shit what people think. And it's very good out here for me because I'm English, so I get to kind of like do whatever I want. I can kind of I kind of like go to set and like kind of you know jig it up a bit, and you know all that kind of malarkey, and bring out the bring out the chaps they love chaps out here if you just call it, if you call everyone chaps they love it 
And it's, nice. it's as simple as that. You call them people you mate, and you call them you know, like chaps who are ready to go. Let's let's do it again. It just like everyone light, lightens the mood, and it just helps everything. Like that kind of thing. Just like bring something of yourself uh, to to the audition, even. And you know, I, I would say that it, it's probably the part in between your actual audition that's more important. Like when you first are introducing yourself and and meeting the people um that you're the casting director or whoever it is you know being present and being able to maybe bring a bit of humor or something into an awkward situation will get you the job even if you have a terrible audition if you can be nice and be fun and and be energetic then they'll probably be like well this is the guy or girl you know yeah that's what i always think i always think there's like the the personality bit or the bit that there's something in your head where you're like not, not anything like bad or inappropriate. If you're like, I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. You know, like that kind yeah. of breaks the ice in a way. Like it might be like, yeah. you're thinking like, oh, like I'm looking now and I'm like, that is a really nice bed. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and I would just, you just say it. You're like, instead of going like, I want to comment on this, but no, I need to just remain thinking about the audition. I'm not going to mention anything that I can see. Right. And, and it's and it's funny now because of the, the amount of self tapes that people are doing especially because of covid like you have the opportunity to to do that because you're in the comfort of your home, own home what's the worst thing that's going to happen you're not going to get the audition so like that's already just go into it thinking you're not going to get the audition and then it'll be easy from then i appreciate you liking my bed though this is like the first thing we bought and we splurged on a king bed and it's too big yeah no I, like, I think it is it is big but i, I like it, is it. Big. It's good. I appreciate um, that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, oh, some elastic lobody there. Elastic lobody. So, so um, you directed your first short film, GF, in 2017, which won Best Picture yes. at the LA Feedback Film Festival. Yes, which was a very interesting experience. Like, you know, getting uh, no budget, obviously everyone like just from people that i'd worked with so i worked on a uh, i'd ad'd a, a feature my first feature the uh the that year or the year before maybe like when i first first like 2016 maybe and uh <laughs> and i met like the sec the assistant camera i was assistant directing i was working with the assistant camera you know we were like very much on that side of it and uh and we were just like oh we should make something and and um, like I said, my wife's uh, an actress and I always like to like use her in everything that I can. So we wrote, she wrote, a, she wrote something she wanted to do, which is just about, you know, it was based off a personal experience where, you know, it's just about outgrowing your friend, outgrowing your, your girlfriends and, and uh, trying to find a relationship with a, a friendship, uh, you know, in your mid twenties, it's just like not easy to do no um so so we thought oh well let's just make something you know make a short about that we'll get everyone who wants to be involved we'll send everyone that we know the script and you know we ended up having like i think at one point with extras we had like 30 40 people working on it at, at one stage we shot for like five days um over a couple weeks because obviously we couldn't do it all at once because it was all pa a passion project kind of thing and uh, it was a fantastic experience. You know, we, we managed to uh, have a decent enough camera. Like I said, the guy who DP'd it was an, a, an AC on the feature I did. So he, he'd already had some experience and um, had 
a, a decent camera like that we could that we could use um and i managed to network with a couple of people who brought stuff and and i realized like this is it this is this is la like the independent film scene you write something that is even semi good and, or semi interesting with like even just like some kind of decent concept like now I, my wife would say the same thing like we would redo it like a like a hundred percent okay all over and i think that that's something that people need to to understand is like it's okay to not like what you've done uh, necessarily it, and, and i think i'm one of those people who will never like what i've done I, i'm like i like do it uh you know work really hard on it and then try and move on to the next thing so I, 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 that was a great learning experience for me because I did not like it when I finished it. I liked my, my wife's performance. I thought she was fantastic. I didn't like the sound. We had big sound issues, uh, which is something you got to learn is like sound is the most important thing. Like yeah. it, I was very much worried about the camera. So I hired some people who were uh, like interning with me uh, because they were in, in college out here in like a sound school and they, just botched it really like they just they didn't know what they said they knew what they were doing they really didn't know what they were doing and i spent a long time in post like fixing the sound and trying to learn about how to fix sound in post which is like a whole can of worms because uh, it just took so long in the end i'm happy with the sound like for what we did because me i had a i have a friend who lives in oregon and uh, we spent i think it was two 16 hour stints uh I was in Oregon for a week and because uh, of my wife's family were up there okay. and uh, we, we spent like two 16 hours since back to back, just editing all the tiny little bits uh, for, it just took forever. And, you know, we had a great time doing it, but it was just something that just w could have been fixed on the day rather than after we'd already shot everything. Uh, and then obviously learning about like voiceover and ADR, things like that was like great too. So I just managed to, you know, luckily most of it was with my wife. So we, she was there, we could do a lot of the the voiceover and things like that afterwards. But, uh, but back to the movie. So we were, we were, we shot for five days, uh, no budget and, you know, great atmosphere. Like everyone had a, had a laugh and we got to shoot in some really nice uh, locations. Like we had a friend who lived in a really nice apartment downtown uh, and she let us use her like roof area and like we kind of gorilla filmmaker like went up there had a PA stand by the door in case security guard came up like up to the rooftop and uh, you know managed to like sneak all the equipment past the hotel manager and not hotel the apartment manager uh, in case they were like going to be like do you have a permit because like we did not. <laughs> oh, yeah. and uh and uh so we're up on the roof and like we're shooting it's just this beautiful view of downtown and you know we managed to get some of that in the in the background and uh and stuff like that so it was like a really good experience to to do that then after you finished all of the shooting and all of the post-production we then took it to the uh, a couple of film festivals but like some of them we couldn't go to uh, the the actual first uh, premiere of that my first ever premiere was in a place called norman which is just outside of oklahoma city which is where we got accepted first and that they were playing it first so like that's kind of funny uh, then right after that was the la feedback uh, film festival and uh, we went there and it's interesting because you go go into it the movie is 20 minutes 25 minutes which is long for a short film like uh, 10 yeah. minutes now i wouldn't do a short film that's longer than 15 with credits 
and we had three minutes of credits. My 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 friend, the audio guy, did a did a whole like cover of uh, "Girls Just Want to Have Fun" that we spliced together with all this B-roll that we'd shot with uh, with with Hannah and uh, Kelsey, the 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 two leads, and uh, we just because one day we just went downtown and just shot everything with these two just up to shenanigans getting drunk and uh and so we spliced that together and i'm like sat in the movie theater like we were in the regal like we we're in downtown la right, right by the staples center like dream come true wow, seeing my amazing. movie in a theater with like you know we were like 70 people 50 70 people in the in the room it was like a decent sized thing <laughs> i'm just watching this i'm like this credit sequence is way too long okay. you, I, like you need to cut this now like i didn't think they'd see the credits like I thought they'd see the movie and then that's it. I would have given you a shorter version. Um, and I'm like, oh, everyone's going to rip this to shreds. Like we've been watching, obviously it was one of like, I think like six movies that were being shown in this period. And uh, everything else had like a message. There was one about like, I think it was about like a, a girl who was like, like growing up in Iraq or something like that. And like what that was like in 2010 or something like that. It was like a lot of meaningful stuff. And then our thing comes in and it's just like two girls having fun. And like, I'm watching this whole thing. I'm like, this is like such a first world movie. Like this is not, oh, yeah, this do you know what I mean? I'm like, this is, this is not a short film that really means anything. It's just for fun. And we won. And I was like, this is mental. Like, then they get to like speak about it. Like, so basically they get to speak about it with everyone and they straight up just like, don't know you're there to start with. So they just sort of, they just are like putting their hands up, getting a microphone and explaining what they liked and didn't like about the movie. And everything that I thought people were going to hate, they loved and everything. And and there was only one person who had a negative thing to say after like, I'd say like five or six people had, and mostly women had uh, had good things to say about it because they were like, oh, this is nice. I like to see the representation, you know, and and, and there's not a lot of movies about this, la, la, la. Like this was like, I think this was like around, you know, like Bridesmaids may have been like the this, the movie that, that was like similar. But like, again, this is just like a, a little independent short. It's just like for fun. And, uh, and then this one guy was like, uh, I didn't like it because I don't get it because I'm a man. And then his girlfriend was just like, shut, shut up. And and like, yeah. that was kind of it. This guy yeah. didn't like it, but you're not the audience. All the people that liked it, all the all these people that said they liked it were like, I, I had no idea. I really was watching it and just cringed like the whole time. And, uh, and it got a good reception. We ended up winning. I couldn't believe it. I really was just like, what is happening? Um, you know, I, the movie I thought was too long. The production wasn't great. I didn't think it, like the sound and things like that, and and you know, et cetera, et cetera. Like the the story was okay, but it wasn't it wasn't a, a hot issue. Um, it was just about two girls trying to have fun and find a friend, and and it resonated with people, which was nice, you know. Yeah, which is amazing as well that it resonated with people and and the people liked it as well. And none of the things that you were worried about, they even noticed or anything which is great what happened what happened after that after we shot after we done gf i was like okay i i'm done kind of like making uh because like obviously that was like two years before we did gf so i was like i was like i'm done making shorts that are you know passion projects do you know what i mean like that i i want to be able to i want to be able to do what i can 
to pay people or I want to be able to have professionals. I want to take it up to the next level. Problem with that is funding is just never easy to come across uh, unless you happen to know someone who owns a hedge fund or something. So, you know, um, which I do not. So, um, you know, go, going uh, through that, I was I went on Facebook and that's where I like was getting a lot of work uh, was uh, on a lot of these groups that I joined out here uh, for script doctoring and the screenwriting and stuff like that. Like I'd been studying it for a while and I figured, you know, people are putting up jobs. Let me put up me, my name in the hat. And I got a lot of work through that just from the i assume it was just from the messages i sent to start with because i would like offer uh you know i'd be if it was for a ghost writing project for example uh which if people aren't familiar with what that is it's like somebody is a writer and they're getting credited for it but maybe they uh just need a hand or maybe they have other projects going on and they want to pay someone to write for them maybe a first draft or whatever uh and not get credited for it but if you're not getting credit for it you should get more money so that's like the kind of thing I was just like, I'm not getting credit. That's fine. I just need, you know, more cash. And most of the time they don't have an issue with that. So, you know, working on like learning my craft whilst getting paid for it was like one of the best fun angles of my that's life. That's like the dream. That is the dream. <laughs> yeah, no, it really, it really was. It was lucky. It's because what I would do is I'd be like, well, uh, you know, um, I'll give you 10 pages for free. Like I don't have a sample. Uh, to get to give you that I'm willing to share tell me a log line of your like story that you're trying to tell and my wife and I will write a 10 page opening sample for free you like it let's move forward with you know a contract if you don't like it move on like you it's all good we've just wasted our time but it takes us like a day to write 10 pages it's like not a problem because we just like had a lot of practice um and and so I was getting a lot of work through that. And, and then I was getting referred and I started doing some script doctoring for people because they like the way I format screenplays because like that's 90% of the issue a lot of writers have out here is, or, or anywhere is knowing how to correctly format a screenplay. Because you can end up sending a screenplay that's really good, but if it's not formatted correctly, the producers aren't going to read past the second page because it's painful to read, honestly. Um, and then from there, I just kept getting more and more stuff uh through uh facebook and and then this guy posted that he was uh out here from new york and out here for a year or two uh on some show uh being a camera operator and he was living in like a big mcmansion in glendale uh that's like really lovely looking from the outside and inside it's very modern and kind of when you when you're in there by yourself it's very haunting and i was just like well, that sounds cool so i did the same thing to him i hit him up i was like hey uh do you have any preference about what you're looking to shoot you know do you have anything that you're wanting to try out uh you know things like that i i'm at the point now where it'd been two years of me trying to get funding for something and it wasn't going to happen so i've been working on other things and ading and such and i was like i wanted to produce something again uh and i was like so you know let's do it uh do you know people that would be willing to um you know volunteer their time and and, and equipment and he's like yeah i've got all that he's like don't worry about that i got all the equipment everything all i need from you is a script and actors and i was like well great and a director and i was like perfect like i'm good to do all of that 
So we met up with the guy and we went to his place and had to look around and it was a very cool location. And, you know, it was kind of a dream situation uh, in that we had all this stuff and everyone was willing to work for, 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 for food, basically. Um, and yeah, we shot for two days. Um, it was like super quick. We were like, we're just going to do try and do this back to back, but we couldn't do it back to back. We had to do it like one weekend and then another weekend after uh, because of the cruise schedule, which is fine. It's not ideal. Ideally, you want to shoot everything, you know, within the same couple of days so that you can make sure continuity is there. Yeah. Um, and you don't have to worry about somebody being in charge of continuity because like I, you're doing I'm already doing like 50 things like I'm not trying to also take photos of the actors to make sure to see what they look like and things like that um, so yeah we ended up shooting like all the interior stuff one day a couple of scenes upstairs and all the exterior stuff the other day and you know for for a movie that's that was literally like a short that was just for fun just for practice basically um i think it turned out pretty well like we had a decent camera and stuff and you know we wrote the script super super quick and um you know like i said we only had two days to shoot there really like it, it was something that was supposed to just be on the weekends in between other projects and like i said the the guys were working full time that, that had worked on it so it was just something that everyone was doing in their um in their free time and uh, and yeah it was a great experience we, we were very lucky to have um a visual effects artist come on board and he uh, you know was able to chat with me about like things that we wanted to do for experience and and to try out like i said everything was done in people's spare time and we spent no money on it so considering that i think that it went well but i decided to not uh put this into any film festivals because I just didn't want to put any money into it to be quite honest it was like I it was something that we were supposed to do as an experience and I didn't want to turn it into something like with GF where I'm like worried if people will like it or not it was yeah. just like it was just like one of those things where I'm like people are gonna like it people are gonna hate it I don't care uh, so we shot that and then I went to Oregon again uh, with my friend uh, uh, and we we met up with him and we spent a long time working on the the sound and the the sound effects and all that kind of stuff up there and we kind of had like a like a gf type part two kind of thing do you know what i mean like it was yeah. just like same and it's great because we just get pizza and we just drink whiskey and we just get it all done and just have a laugh doing it and just see what we can do and like there was one like obviously like i said hannah's there with us so we <laughs> we had like one thing where we had to have her like uh take her shoes off and like tap them on the chairs to make footstep sounds and stuff like that and like doing all those kind of foley things was a lot of fun because you don't get a lot of opportunity to do that type of stuff so like it was really good like i'd say i think that 95 percent of the sound on that movie was done in post so like everything is is all done just by us like smashing things together and stuff like that so you know obviously the dialogue was all done on the day but other than that pretty much everything else is all just fake Sound. But phony stuff is really fun, isn't it? And especially like so much fun. What stuff sounds like, and you think it sounds like <clears> one <throat> thing, and then you listen to it back, and you're like, "That sounds wrong." And then you're like, "Let's try this," and then you hit something together, and it sounds yeah perfect. So, have you got any bad experiences of producing? Yes, I'd say that you know, a, a lot of it has been good, and I'm lucky to to have that. But there are a couple of instances that I can think of where. Like this one time we we were shooting uh, this short and it's not, I've not released it because it's, it's it was 
bed. Uh, we we had like a long time, and it was like actually right where uh, my brother-in-law passed. So we had to like stop, and uh, we were just about to shoot, and then it happened. And then we were like, you know, let's come back to this in a few months. So uh, we did that. And the problem with that is people, the actor, one of the actors, the lead actor, actually kind of like put it on the back burner because she was like, oh, I mean, I'm assuming this is what she did. But she was like, oh, we we got time. Um, and uh, and we got to the day and she froze, like she just could not uh, deliver her lines, didn't know her lines properly. Uh, there was something like we couldn't do more than a sentence or two without her forgetting. It was her, it, in all fairness, it was her, I think it was her first lead uh, thing. Uh, like Hannah was in it too. It was like three girls in an audition room basically. And it was her, another girl and Hannah. And uh, and it was just like, you know, a long day. and and. It, it's always going to be a long day when the issue is that the actor doesn't know their lines. That was basically the main problem. Uh, everything else I didn't really have a, a, an issue with, but I tried to cut around it and it was, it, it's just impossible because she was like the lead. Um, so like, that was obviously annoying. I do want to do, I still want to make that movie again. Um, but like, obviously things like that, where one instance can ruin the whole thing and 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 mean that it doesn't get released is always yeah. a pain in the ass because you've obviously spent time writing it spent time produ producing it pre-production I, I totally get why it happened and it was unfortunate and it was a learning curve which is like i always am just going to take as a positive turn a negative into a positive and and like that was one of them uh, another one was like i was ading a feature and the the director was an issue from the get-go he was an older guy and he'd done some stuff uh you know, he's done some box office things um, and uh, got ended up uh, getting like complaints from uh, the interns that he was being inappropriate. And this was like right around the Me Too time. So that was like not what you want to happen. Yeah. And on that exact same set, the, the, the producers were kind of running the show. And, and it was at one point where we were like shooting with um you know some a named actor and one and our lead actress who wasn't and she'd been, done some stuff and she was really good and and the guys the producer one of the producers just came roaring in and just like yelling at everyone in this like tiny apartment that we we're all shooting in mid-take like we were wow. we were rolling and and i had to take him and, and the producer he was arguing with out and talk to them like i'd only done like a couple of features as an ad before i'd never pr properly produced anything and i'm like having a like stop these two producers from like going at each other and they're both like tall guys they're like six two and stuff and i'm just there like guys can you just like behave you know what i mean like yeah. you can't just come in i'm like when you're the ad like it's my set like you're the producer i understand that and the director's doing his own thing but like i'm running the show you need to listen to me and you need to not be not come in and ruin a take because now we got a 20 minute reset now because we got to calm people down we got to, you know, reset the light and get everything back to how it was. And you just come in and what's happened? What are you doing? That that whole movie was kind of a, uh, from start to finish was an issue. It could have become more of an issue. Luckily, it didn't. Everything got sorted out, like within, you know, the same time period. And we got to sort that out. And, uh, you know, it's just like one of those things where there's always going to be some issues, especially with egos, personality coming into it. And sometimes... You just gotta be the guy to just be like, if you can't do this, you just gotta leave and come back when you're caught, when you're cooled down. And it happens. It, it does happen. You know, there's money involved. There's there's time crunches. Like I totally get it. You know, there's locations that fall through. People can get mad and, and pissed off and not know how to channel the anger. 
and it happens. Um, on the flip side, though, if you want to talk about like some positive things, like there was, a, I did like a a, a little. It's it's called like a pitch pilot, where basically you're trying to you're trying to make a a fake pilot to sell um, as like a proof of concept, if you will. And it's just like one of the things I did. I think it was like 2017, maybe 2016, like real early uh, when I first moved here, and uh, that was you know it was fun the issue was is that we didn't have money uh, we didn't have proper permits and we were making a superhero movie like it was literally based off of a dc comic character and we're trying to do a pilot about this character good character um you know the everything was okay but we just didn't have the money to make it look as good as we wanted but there was uh, one point uh, i read the script and i was talking to the producer and i was like look you're, you're the Batcave in this it, for Batman because like that was like one she's like a uh, she's like a secondary character for for Batman she's like the reason this character is a superhero is because she idolizes Batman and wants to be like him kind of uh, yeah. so he had to be in it so we had to like cast the Batman which is great like the guy who we had as Batman was really good and we managed to get um, you know, like an, a, pr a, pr a proper cowl and, and a cape for him from this other guy that I met on Facebook and things like that. And I'm like doing all this and I'm about, we're about to shoot. And I'm like, hey, the, the location that you have for the Batcave is like a parking lot. And she's like, yeah, well, we don't have anything else. And I was like, all right, give me a minute. And I like talked to a few people and found out that like the Batcaves that they shot, the Adam West, uh, you know, 60s or 50s? No, it was 60s, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, so, yeah. The, the old the old Adam West Batman they shot like right around the corner from me here in the in these things called the Bronson Caves and I went there and it's it's literally just like in a in a park like in a, wow. in, like a in like a field it's like it's like off of a trail uh, you go into the cave on the other side it's like this giant thing uh, it's it's kind of like in a little valley almost and and it's very picturesque and uh, it's I've noticed it's in a couple of things I can't remember what it is now but I've been like oh a shot there that's funny uh yeah. you know and and uh, we got to go in there and luckily i was able to use the same dp who we would shoot in uh gf with and um so we'd work together and he was just like telling me all the things he needed so we went to our like bnq which is called home depot and we bought like a bunch of lights that we could like press up against the cave so that we could have proper lighting and it could give some depth and things like that and you know we got to shoot in the in the batman caves and that was awesome and it was like a lot of fun nothing came of it obviously we didn't even actually finish shooting it because the uh the we just ran out of money we had to do like a one big fight scene at the end and uh and we couldn't find a location that was good enough for it uh that would make it work and we couldn't afford the insurance oh, yeah. uh, and all that kind of stuff so we ended up put, uh, it ended up uh, being released as like a um you know just like something the producer just released for herself um which is fine you know like whatever I, I and and it was like a good experience and a bad experience as well um but i wouldn't say that was a horror story i wouldn't say that was like a proper bad experience it was just like the the fact that we didn't finish was kind of kind of sucked yeah um but uh but you know overall it was like it was a good experience and uh everything you just got to turn the negatives into positive haven't you so it's like even the producer coming on and yelling allowed me to 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 take control of that set more than i had before like luckily we were shooting for like three weeks and this was like the end of the first week and i it's getting started it's very difficult to as an ad to to like put your foot down without without losing 
without a mutiny on your hand. You know what I mean? Like you, you yeah. got to be firm, but you can't be too firm. You don't want people that, to think that you're an asshole. Like no one wants the the AD to be a yelling, like mad, angry person that no one can approach because that's how stuff doesn't get done. That's how uh, people don't want to talk to you and, and, and they just let things slide and then it's too late to fix the problem after the fact. So um, that bad experience led to the rest of the shoot being more positive. I, I want to talk about what you're working on right now. Uh, I've got a couple of shorts that I'm ADing uh maybe in a month or two they're just trying to sort out the covid stuff again it's like mainly people trying to sort out how much money they want to spend on covid uh, precautions and testing because it ain't cheap and uh and in the meantime i'm always trying to write stuff uh so we're working on a script right now which we are trying to get funding for uh which is uh called mike and miguel which is basically um a guy that I've been working with for a while had this idea for uh, like, it's like a buddy cop comedy. Um, and he had this idea that like these, he's uh, he's, I think he's Puerto Rican and it's basically uh, these two Puerto Rican cops who go to, who, who have to get put in a witness protection program and they get, they witness like a, a crime uh, and they, and, and for the mafia in New York and yep. they get put into a small town in the middle of nowhere, super white, and like kind of get like racist abuse and stuff like that and then they find out that there's like a drug mule thing happening there like they're not really sure what's going on but like it's a small town big drug problem and you know they can't obviously just stand idly by and do nothing uh, and he just thought it'd be funny to, to have them go undercover and like have the the government have the name mike and miguel which is just mike and michael in spanish and he just thought that was like really funny so we've got a couple of nods to that in there and, and at the time when when i first started that i was like i don't want to do a thing about cops right now i don't think that they deserve especially in america i don't think they deserve uh, you know a positive limelight if you will so we we managed to like convince him to have them be like ex-cops that moved away because they couldn't, because of the red tape, basically, like that they had, they couldn't like, they, they're very justice minded and they wanted to help people. Uh, like, so they were like the good apples, if you will. And they decided to quit and start their own PI firm, which just, which actually worked out better because it gives just more depth to the character, you know, it just makes you understand them a bit more. Yeah. So we, we were lucky to be able to change, to be able to work with someone who allowed us to uh, put more of an input into his story because this isn't our story. It's they they're going to be credited with story, him and his wife. Um, but we wrote the screenplay because we can write the screenplay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I suppose that goes back to what you're talking <clears> about, like <throat> the kind of the ghost writing or script doctoring sort of. Yeah, it, this about. is kind of like a middle area because we are going to get credited for it, uh, and uh, we're really really working on uh, getting me to direct it, which will be my first feature my my director my feature directorial debut uh so i'm really like trying to do that we're trying to get funding so for for us not not to be able to hand it off to someone else because we're all quite invested in the story and, and we want to do it properly they, it's good to have other people's input and to collaborate um but i prefer to do that once everyone's like kind of happy with the script and it, like I said, it's his story and he's happy with the script. Um, I'm happy, we're both happy with the script. So I don't want to ask for money uh, from people and then, then be like, well, 
you got to change this, this, and this, and we want our input in here, and you can't say that, and you can't do this, and and la la la. So we're just trying to do it our way. Yeah, because I suppose the more you open it out, it's like especially when you talk about the changing it to it not be about cops. You could it could go in someone else's hands, and they're like, just make it a cop move, like a buddy cop movie, and you'd be like, yeah, we really wanted to change that and fought to change it, and now you've just gone, well, we're going to give you this money, so go in that direction exactly. so yeah yeah exactly yeah and, and 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 that's something that i really want to stand by because just like the you know being in los angeles at this time with the the black lives matter movement and all the great stuff that they're doing and and protesting with them and you know doing what we can donate in where we can um you know the way that people of color are treated in this country by law enforcement is not great so we've got to do something about that and i think the movies are are one of the ways to to do that because for so many years they've highlighted almost glamorized it if you will (laughs) it's not as bad as in in england is it it's it's not great in england but it certainly is i mean the fact that they don't have guns over there that's yeah like that's that's always what i think like it is some people would probably argue that it is really bad and i think it is to to an extent but the whole gun thing completely like changes the whole the whole thing because it's like it's a lot harder to kill people when without the gun yeah who'd have thought yeah <laughs> what's it um i want to touch on just before we kind of wrap up um i just wanted to talk a little bit away from like korea and stuff like that and you touched on um living in orange county but just generally what's it like living in america yeah i mean uh, it's right now it's nice and sunny which is great and like i live in southern california so like it, the weather is usually pretty good i get very annoyed when it's cloudy for a long period of time here because like we have the highest taxes in the u.s and like the whole reason people move here is the sun and that's i'm assume i'm i'm very certain those two things are correlated it's like the sunshine tax and when you don't have it i'm like well what's the point of being here it's just like gloomy and gross when it's cloudy and such and i'm like might as well be in london but honestly no it's great like i I, the i know just like the living in la being in filmmaking is just like a whole bubble in of itself like you can have just like i'm sure it's like in london i'm sure but it's like you have people who are really nice and you get along with a lot of people you also have people that are kind of deluded and we have a lot of people like that out here a lot of people from the middle of nowhere in America come into LA and used to being in a conservative environment and used to being like the prettiest person in their village or whatever, which is, or their town, which is usually why they come out here is because they get told by someone that they're good looking, they should go model and act in LA. So like, that's what they do. And then when they come out here and get their work, it kind of messes with people. So like, I totally get it. Um, But like, in terms of living in America, like by itself, I feel like I've probably picked one of the worst times to move here because like most of the time I've been here, it's been under, you know, Donald Trump and, and yeah. it's been like a lot of uh, social unrest and and it's it's kind of been like, I don't feel like there's been like a massive amount of growth for everyone. I feel like a lot of people are kind of going the opposite way now and people are getting more divided. There's like a lot of people who have very strong beliefs that don't make a lot of sense and they can't back it up and 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 that's quite frustrating yeah uh, to be to be around um uh, but on the other side of it i'm english in la and everyone's usually super friendly and nice and and very interested in where i'm from and like 
oh my god I love your accent can you say something and I'm like just have a conversation with me and it'll come out like don't put me on a pedestal like <laughs> yeah. it's like it's yeah. like one of those things and like I live you know 30 minutes from the beach and and uh you know the sun's always out most of the time I got a pool in the backyard like I'm I'm it's very very nice being out here I do miss London my wife misses London a lot okay. like that's like she went there for college and I like like I said we met there and she very much misses it that's like her home and so you know being out here is tough for her but I love it out here and I'm like what well, it's February so hopefully I'm just a couple months away from my citizenship exam so that'll be coming up mm. soon and uh you know I'll be hopefully we're going to get that and then move back to London so that kind of kind of says it all about how uh, how it is to live out here right now is that I'm coming back hopefully within the next year or two oh wow that's um, amazing yeah yeah it's like the that's the plan it's always been the plan uh you know we we when we got married we decided that we'd do LA first and get that out of the way and and uh, and then move to London you know like when we need healthcare and like when we <laughs> when we're like 30 plus and you know we should start being more sensible so uh you know you get a free vaccine as well yeah like crazy isn't it who'd have thought medical care should be free so yeah. you know living out living out here with, with that it, it, that's been the biggest struggle that i've had is is the, the the medical system is awful you know capitalism sucks yeah. And uh, and I really hope that the UK doesn't go the same way. I really hope that they don't adopt the American model and, and disband the NHS because that the, it's, it's actually the, the funniest thing about moving out here is, is understanding how little people in England understand how good they got it, really, because the NHS is like beyond anything that I could, anyone can imagine out here. Like they don't understand socialized medicine. Like they don't get, well, they just it, don't at get all. it at all. Okay. They just don't get it. They, 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 they've been told lies for so long by the lobbyists and, and big pharma that they just don't understand. They physically can't comprehend that your taxes probably won't even go up that much and everyone gets free healthcare. And they're, they're, they're either in the mindset of, well, I've never had it and I've had to pay for it my whole life. So why should someone else get it for free kind oh, yeah. of thing? Or they're in the mindset of like, well, I'm going to be waiting in line all day forever because everyone's going to be a hospital. And I'm like, that might be true for like the first few months, like whilst people are getting back to normal. But like, there was already lines and you're paying for it. Like, I've yeah. never been to a doctor's office here and gone straight in. So like, what's the issue? You know, I live in a place where everyone's out here to, to, to follow their dreams. And only that really, like there's, there's not really a lot else going on here. Whereas in London, it's like business and everything, like everything in London and as well as people following their dreams. So it's like kind of an interesting vibe when you meet people in London. It's like, you know, uh, you know, you, so what do you do? Are you what are you currently, you know, what are you trying to like do? Or are you like a, are you a business person? You're trying to figure that out here. Nine times out of 10, they're an actor, like the person you're meeting or the person you're talking to. They're either an actor, director, writer, producer or singer. And like everyone's kind of doing that. So there's a lot more support and there's yeah. like a lot more like of a common understanding about like what everyone's trying to do uh, with their lives, which is like really nice. Uh, and, and that's something I feel like I didn't remember feeling in London. But also, I was, again, it was like before I was married in London, I don't really remember a lot about living in England anymore. It's just like I've been so focused about being here. Everyone's like super, they're either super nice 
or they're full of hate. And luckily, most of the people that I've met out here are, are super nice and uh, just really, you know, either want to work with you on something. And, and if you demonstrate you have some kind of thing to offer, uh, then you, you never usually have a problem finding people to hang out with or work. And, you know, that's that's been kind of nice that I've been able to do that for a few years now uh, comfortably. And, and, you know, I mean, not I'm not living in the middle like with my parents you know, I'm mean, not living with uh, with my wife's parents anymore like things like that and we're you know we've got a dog and you know all that kind of stuff we're not like worried about money so much anymore and that's just been like super nice because like most of my time in England I just remember it's either like growing up being broke being in college being a student so you know it's nice that I feel like you come out here and I can I've been able to you know advance my myself not only professionally but like as a person like i've like seen a lot of stuff here that's like properly changed me like i don't think i'm the same person that i was when we first met like yeah. bloody 15 years ago um at all uh, i've had a lot of stuff out here to, that, that we've had to deal with you know a lot of grief like we've lost like my my uh, my brother-in-law a couple of years ago like things like that that i'd never really that i'd experienced but not on that much of a close-knit level and so, yeah, I just feel like, you know, living here, there's like, it's good because of the support that you can find. Uh, you know, I met a lot of friends out here for life. Thanks, Ross. Thanks for coming on. It's been great talking to you. Yeah, thanks, mate. It's been a while. It has. It has been a while. But yeah, no, it's been really, it's been really good. Yeah, it has been really good. I really appreciate you uh, letting me come on and uh, speak a lot. <laughs> Yeah, no, I liked it. I liked it. I'm, I'm inspired. And I think more people are going to be inspired by hearing it as well. So, uh, oh, I hope so. I really do. I really hope so. Because it's such a great business. It really is. It's nothing like it. Cool. Thanks, Ross. Speak to you soon. Thank you, mate. Cheers. Bye. Show